The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my extremely grumpy co-host in the city of brotherly love, Chris Smalls. Angelo Smalls, how are you tonight? <laughs> I mean, with that introduction, I guess I'm doing terrible, but I thought I was doing great, man. So I'll stick with that, though. I'll stick with the half and half. How about it's, that? Well, I, I can see you being grumpy because it sounds like you're in a well right now. Are you in a well? Where are you? No, I'm just laying down. I'm casually uh, checking out some D3 scores right now. And, uh, you know, just keeping up, keeping up with uh, the Joneses here. Man, I, I appreciate I appreciate hearing that. We are uh, joined by a, a repeat guest, a guy that is a good friend of ours, going into his second year as the head coach of the Cardinal O'Hara Lions. I actually just had to learn that today. Ryan Nemitz. Uh, Ryan, you got married this summer, so your life is officially over. You now coach a high school basketball team and you're married. Nothing to look forward to. But <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I told you, everybody's grumpy tonight. Wanted to have you back on to kind of talk about how uh, your season went last year and kind of what you decided to do in the offseason, especially as you're in a really competitive league. And I think it's an interesting thing, especially for high school coaches who listen to kind of try to figure out how to get better and, and kind of break through a little bit of the ceiling that exists within, you know, a, a private school league. So Ryan, how are you today? I think it's, I think I'm doing better than uh smalls. He sounds, I agree. Very grumpy. It's tired too. I think it might be the weather. That's getting them. It's, is it bad weather up there in Philly? It's pretty nice here in Nashville. It's like 50 degrees today. It's not bad. Blue skies. 42 degrees, little snow sh- showers. I don't know. I can see why he's a little depressed. You know, he's just depressed. We'll, we'll get it over with. He's just depressed because he saw today on Bovada Sportsbook that the Eagles are no longer, you know, he thought they were the favorites to win the NFC East, and he saw today that it's just not happening for him, unfortunately. <laughs> they, they are. They're going to be favored in every game they play. That is true. Tonight might be actually the biggest game of the Eagles season and they're not even playing in it because if Dallas wins tonight, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty, pretty tough spot for, I think, the birds. But all right, Ryan, let's talk about you and let's talk about kind of how last year went. You guys, you finished, I believe, three and 11 in the Catholic League. But like I said, your first year on the job got there a little bit late. I kind of want to know what you thought went well for you guys last year. What did you do well and, and what do you think needed to be worked on? You know what? We had a young team, so the thing that I thought went well was just our guys getting experience. When you throw four sophomore starters who have never played in the Catholic League before in terms of varsity, I mean, the experience was what I thought was the biggest teacher for those guys. So just getting them in games, we were in a ton of close games. I think we lost six Catholic League games by a combined 20 points. So when you look at that, a young team – learning how to win and compete 
Well, number one, learning how to compete is what I think we did well. We, and I think as the season went on, we built confidence. But then, as any coach would say, the biggest difference is going from competing and then being able to close out those close games. So I'm hoping that experience from last year translates into this year. And in set of close games, losing by two, three, one point, one possession games, we start kind of winning those games and getting to the top of that Catholic League this year. What do you think uh, you need to improve on? Like you specifically, as you went into the season, you obviously have a plan and everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. But for you, what what was the one or two things that you felt like, man, I just, I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be going into the year. I would say with any coach, you're learning your players for the first year. You're getting to know their personalities, their playing style. Um, I thought the biggest thing that I could have improved on last year was setting roles and setting rotation. Um, I would say looking back, I could have done that a little bit better. Um, and then I'd say the second thing is just managing games. Uh, that kind of goes with the rotation. But, hey, when do you need to call a timeout? Uh, when do you need to stop a run and talk to your team who is a little bit younger to kind of build them, teach them the moment? Hey, we just had a 6-0 run. We got to get a stop here. It's okay. On to the next possession. Let's stop this bleeding and get back into this game. So I think that – I think those are the two areas of improvement that I look back on that I think I could apply to this year. How do you get better at assigning roles? You know, I think it's a really interesting thing because everybody goes into the season, they look at their roster and they're like, Oh, I got, this guy's going to make shots for me. This guy's going to be a rim protector, you know, and and what have you. But as the season goes along, how how do you let guys know, especially early in the season, what you expect out of them? Like how, how are you communicating that to your, your players? Well, what's funny is with the younger team, we had a lot of ups and downs. So like, with, a, with an older team, you kind of know what you're going to get from each player. And I felt like one game, player number two, Adrian, for example, played really well. And then the next game, it was like, all right, what are you going to expect from them? So to be honest, the youth and like some nights I just felt like, all right, who do I trust the most? And there was times when I was like, I'm not sure because of the inconsistency of performance. And even sometimes mentally, it's like, hey, we went through a little tough stretch to start the Catholic League. Some guys kind of were checking in, checking out not in terms of like effort and everything, but you could just tell when a guy's locked in and ready to go and other times when a guy might, might be losing confidence. So I, I think that maybe another way to improve too from this year is just instilling these guys with confidence so we're a little bit more consistent. And then I know, hey, all right, I could lean on these guys um, in crunch time in the fourth quarter under three minutes. What was the uh, what was the biggest difference coming from college to actually being in the high school season? I know you had anticipated a couple changes and challenges, but what do you think the biggest difference was looking back on the season? Sharing the gym with the school play three days out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Why don't you elaborate on that? <laughs> Well, no, that's just a funny example of like managing time in college. You kind of, you have your guys there. Um, they're on campus. You're working around class schedule. Um, so, you know, guys are walking over after the cafeteria. Everybody's going to be there. They're able to prep. They're able to get shots up before or after practice. So you're able to kind of manage that time a little bit better with, with school, um, with high school. You're working with guys who might live 25, 30 minutes away. So as soon as they leave, it's tough to get them back. So managing practice time uh is i would say one of the biggest things and then when you're there um i'm not used to having some younger guys on like the jv program so 
how do you balance the JV program? How do you maximize them while you're developing the JV program? Because we had some young guys. And then how do you utilize them to kind of challenge your varsity guys? Um, I think that was one of the biggest challenges uh, with kind of going from the college scene to the high school scene. Can we stay on that for a second? Because I've talked with that Smalls about that, especially when he was coaching high school out in Pittsburgh and helping you out and how hard it is to kind of coach guys that aren't, this is going to sound kind of callous, but like maybe they're not going to play in college, right? And they're, you know, uh, they stink. They shouldn't be on the court in high school, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> right. When you coach guys that they just want to be on the team and they want to help out and they want to play with their friends and stuff like that, like how tough is that, Ryan? Especially for you. Like we, we've joked about this before, but like you're a Division two player until you kind of decided you were injured and didn't want to play anymore. And then, you know, you've coached high level AAU. You, you've always been a good player. And I, I just am curious, like, how big of an adjustment was that? Because you're right, like you have to use your JV program because it has to filter to your varsity program, but you don't maybe have a ton of contributors on that team. So how do you kind of, I guess, delegate responsibility? Yeah, and I honestly, I would use a college analogy. Like you're trying to build the back end of your bench and sometimes starters that when you bring in a freshman, you're trying to build out the end of your bench with high character individuals, good students, and then guys that you think you could develop. So that's what I look at. I'm looking at guys, their attitude. I don't want that guy who thinks like I'm six foot tall and I'm going to the league and I want shots. It's like, okay, you don't get it. All right. I was uh, at Kutztown and even Temple being a practice player. Like you knew your role. Like I'm looking for guys who understood their role and how they could help the team. So when I'm building out that roster, and I think any college coach would say that too, you want the back end to be team guys. You don't want them to be me guys because that could kill your culture. That could kill – guys they're in their ear saying oh man i should be playing and it's like no your role is to just be as the best practice player you could be and to be the best cheerleader on the sideline as you could be and understand it's not about you it's about the team if i could use coach dunphy feel his quote but that's what it's about looking for those back-end players and jv players now the <laughs> the staff structure is a little different obviously in high school you're looking to just get help and uh, you know, a lot of people are doing different things in terms of your staff. They have jobs and the times are tough. I know you had one assistant that was terrible that you got rid of by the end of the year. That was a good move by you. But what has it been like building your staff and building the culture of, you know, your coaching staff with these players over the last year and now heading into this year? Well, yeah, if anybody wants to know, that coach was small. Uh, very good. We got... <laughs> We had addition by subtraction. I thought you got promoted, Smalls. I thought you took a better opportunity. You no, jumped up a couple levels. You definitely couldn't, not. You couldn't. You couldn't handle the coaching the JV team. You weren't a team guy. Thank God Hoopter <laughs> didn't get a hold of the story. But if if Hoopter did, it would have been like just Ryan Nevitz had to get rid of this guy. Just a total negative for the program. <laughs> no, when you're talking about the staff, I think uh, the first year last year, like. Even you guys, Smalls, you can even talk on it. You're getting to know the guys. How do you relate to the players as assistant coaches? How, like, what, what makes each individual tick? What, who are they as an individual? That's the most important thing. And last year with our staff, they were working through that. They didn't know the guys. Neither did I. And they didn't know us. So the first thing you're trying to build is trust. Um, and then in terms of building out the staff, I mean, I looked at guys. I looked at a, a variety of things. I looked at. Who do I trust? Who do, what are their strengths? And how do you kind of build out and complement strengths? Um, we got guys who 
know the game. Um, one guy, Pat Flanagan, helped us at Temple, so I knew he knew he had a high knowledge of the game, um, and I could trust him. Uh, we have a guy named Lamont Matthews who played at Shaw University, and he this year he's taken a big step in player development, and the guys really respect him uh, and trust him. And then we have another guy with college experience on the staff, uh, a Division three college experience, and then we got a Big Five Hall of Famer in Steve Smith. So you look at the backgrounds, all those guys either played high level or were part of a collegiate program or professional program that was successful. Um, so that's what I was really trying to find, uh, guys that I could trust and guys with that wealth of experience. So when we have coaches meetings and we're talking about it, uh, we're able to game plan for, for the best teams in the Catholic League. And this year I've noticed just talking with my team, I'm not teaching them like what's 55? What am I, what are my expectations on defense? What are my expectations on offense? We're head and shoulders away where I'm now able to kind of focus on the little details as well as the assistant coaches, instead of just teaching the basics, like it was in year one and what's expected of them. So that's been a big jump and a big difference in year two. Ryan, one thing you mentioned was you have guys that, you know, they live a a little bit further away and obviously you have contact rules, but coming from a college program where guys are mostly on campus and you get a lot of time to spend around them. How do you kind of get the players to trust you? Like, how do you build that up? Because, you know, you're, you don't work at Cardinal O'Hara, like you're the basketball coach, but none of, none of the guys on your staff are, are active teachers at Cardinal O'Hara. And so how, how do you kind of build that trust with your players when you're not around them, you know, other than maybe it's two or three hours a day at practice, it's games, but in the off season, like, what are you doing to kind of build trust with your returners and the guys in your program? Well, the one good thing, I was at the D3 level before this, and now I'm at, at the high school level. You have unlimited time you can work with the guys. So we have a ton of open gyms year-round. We're playing in leagues. So there's actually a lot of downtime. I would argue that we're with them more than a D3 coach would be uh, just because we're able to be with them year-round. Um, so that's number one. I'd say number two is I think the guys, you earn their respect by showing you care about them and you care about the team. Um, just little things like texting a guy, good work, um, understanding how they get motivated. I, I made a few mistakes where I try to challenge guys in front of everybody and they shut down or they got an attitude. So I learned like, hey, these guys don't respond well to challenging them in front of them. But then I learned, hey, if I pull him to the side and just talk to him, they respond much better. So I think when you kind of learn how guys are coachable and learn how they l- learn, how they learn, are they visual learners? Are they Guys you can motivate and cuss out, maybe not cuss out, but yell at. <laughs> We're at a Catholic school, no cussing there. There's, yeah, you're going to you be the can... only coach. You're going to be the only coach in the Catholic League that doesn't swear. I, I really appreciate that <laughs> comment. But no, it's just learning how guys are motivated, learning how they, they learn, I think it is big to build the trust. And then from there, you kind of, a relationship blossoms, the coach-player relationship blossoms. I, I only ask that because obviously you, you, you can recruit. That is kind of how this works. And the, the talent gap is, it's big. I, I think, I think you, the Catholic league alone sent eight guys division one last year. But if you look at the rest of the league, there was probably 30 division one players in it. And, you know, you are allowed to recruit, but you didn't get to actually recruit any of these guys. So you didn't have those relationships coming in. And that's why I kind of wonder like, you know, especially when kids are younger, if you have like 14 or 15 year olds, like that's a very big maturity gap. Right. And, and is that a noticeable thing that you can see when you're talking to guys that are seniors? Whereas if you're talking to guys that are like sophomores or freshmen. 
Well, honestly, the one another big adjustment going from college to high school is the maturity level. It's like, what phase of life, life are these guys in? At the college level, you're talking about guys who might be 21 and they're going out and having a good time. And they're thinking about, hey, I need to get a job next year and life's about to hit. Whereas high school guys are still a little bit, not immature, but they're in a different life phase, right? They're learning kind of how life works. They're still under the, the roof of their parents. So they're a little bit sheltered. So you're trying to challenge them. So I think that was one of the biggest adjustments too, I would say, with these guys and trying to relate to them as 14, 15, 16, 17, some 18-year-olds. So that is definitely something you got to take into account when you, if you were to ever go from college to the high school level. Yeah, well, I want to know a little bit about, let's talk about the season upcoming and uh, projections. Obviously, you know, in a future life, I'm going to be the high school Bovada master, and I will start with the Catholic <laughs> League. Uh, but if I were to put odds on it, I'd say the favorite, probably a, um, you know, even money bet would be that Roman Catholics going to be at the top of the league, along with some other usual suspects, Newman Gretti. Uh, Archbishop Wood, and then, you know, Bishop McDevitt, the field opens up a little bit. How are you feeling about going into this season? Where do you think you fall right now in the Catholic League? And uh, what are you doing to kind of prepare your guys for that tough league play? Yeah, so you're, you're looking at, I think we added size. We added a six seven big, and last year our biggest guy was six six, and he was a sophomore coming off a ankle, breaking his ankle. So, I think the biggest thing last year is we had really good guard play and our size hurt us a little bit. We were playing a six, two, four man. Um, so now we're able to kind of balance our team and play their natural positions. Um, so just kind of adding in that big and learning how to play with two bigs in it sometimes and, and playing with that size with the true five man has been a little bit of an adjustment. So that's what we've been working on this year. But to answer your question, I honestly think, we could compete for the four or five spot in the Catholic league this year as, as the high end. Um, I really think you have, like you said, the Newman Gretties, uh, you have Roman, you have Wood, you have McDevitt. Um, and after that, I think it does open up. And I think you're, you're talking about teams like Carroll, Archbishop Carroll, they got uh, a few, one or two division one players. Um, and then after that, I mean, Bonner's down a little bit this year after losing Isaiah Wong, who went to Miami, and uh, the big guy who went to uh, Wake Forest. Yeah, he, yeah went to, he went to Wake Forest. So you're looking at Bonner, who's our rival. They lost two high, big, high-end uh, Division One players. Um, and then after that, I mean, you got St. Joe's Prep. You got um, West Catholic, who's young but talented. You have um, Lansdale Catholic. You have Father Judge. I really think that we're very much improved and we could be in that top echelon, uh, maybe right behind maybe that those top three, four teams and we could compete for that four or five spot. And what makes me believe that? I think we, <laughs> I, great question, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I, in my opinion, we, we have experienced guard play and I think guard play dictates how, your season is going to end up. I don't think you, with the game, the way the game's evolving, you need really good guard play that you could trust. And I think us having a backcourt of seniors and juniors and talented juniors and seniors, maybe not high level division one players, but guys that could play Trey Dinkins, Anthony Pernell, Adrian Irving, uh, Jamil Burton with those guys. Like I know they're not names to people listening, but to have four guards that are juniors or seniors with a ton of varsity experience, 
I'm excited about that. What, what do you think it's going to take to have a special season? I, I know unlikely guys maybe stepping up, or do you have those type of players who can make a huge jump uh, that you see right now going into the season? And maybe once Catholic League play hits, that you know they're going to be a difference maker that you maybe didn't expect originally? I would say the two things are defense. We got to get better defensively. Now that we have some size, we could do some different things. Last year, we kind of had a run and jump, and we'd have mismatches around the floor. So I think defensively, we could be much improved, and that's going to set the tone for our offense. And then I think the second thing is with a young team, when you get punched in the face and a team goes on a 6 8 0 run, you kind of you fold. And that would happen to us. We would fight back, but by that time, it was too late. I think. Being that team to make that first six, six zero run, eight zero run, and then you kind of control it. And in the high school game, we don't have a shot clock. With good guard play, we could dictate tempo. We go up eight in the fourth quarter. We could go five out, and then teams have to come either guard us, which opens up the floor for us, or they got to foul us. So I think we could, we could be that team to go on runs in that third quarter and go to the fourth quarter with a lead. I think that we're going to be able to dictate it instead of being down six, eight points in the fourth quarter, having to cause turnovers and fouling teams. And, and trying to claw our way back into the game. If you're looking to shape the academic profile of Cardinal O'Hare over the next couple of years, what, what what types of guys are you trying to bring in to help boost that GPA? <laughs> now, from an outside, like when these kids with school of choice now, kids have an opportunity to pick what school they want to go to. It's not like the old days where wherever you live, that's where you had to go to school. So when I look at it in terms of how do outsiders – young kids, families, parents, coaches uh, in the basketball community, how do they view Cardinal Air? And, that's, and how do they view me as a, as a coach, as a mentor to their son? Um, and I really think that O'Hara, I always tell people, it's in a, a, a great academic school. Um, you're going to be well-versed. You're going to do multiple things. You're not going to just play basketball. I always tell guys, like, get involved in different things to make yourself a, a well-rounded individual. And then from a basketball, if, if you want to be a student athlete and play basketball, we do things year-round. We're training, weightlifting, we're doing plyometrics. So if you want to come to a program that develops players, we give every resource possible. And then when we're playing in fall leagues, we played in the live period in June where hundreds of coaches are in the gym watching us. I mean, if you're looking for that exposure and you're trying to play in the best league in the country, um, one of the best leagues in the country, definitely in PA in the Mid-Atlantic um, I mean, if you want that exposure, I mean, you, you come to our program. And then, I mean, I tell student athletes all the time, I'm going to push you in the classroom. I'm going to make sure that you're doing the right things um, as a as a human, as a person. And then as a player, I'm going to develop you and whatever your goals are, if they're to play college basketball professional, all the resources are going to be available to you. And I always say, it's not just me. You have a big five Hall of Famer in Steve Smith who did it. Like, he's, a, I believe, a 2,000-point scorer, a big five Hall of Famer, if you're a big guy and you're trying to learn from the best, Steve Smith is going to be with you uh, working every day. If you're if you're a guard, Lamont Matthews, one of the best players um, in the Philly. Uh, I've worked with players um, at IMG Academy and in New York and House of Sports. I mean, that's what I tell the families that are interested in Cardinal Hara. There's a lot of positive things going on uh, at our school and at our program. What a, what a fantastic academic pitch. I also think it is very fair of you to say that the league is one of the best in the Mid-Atlantic. Like I would say it's right there with the WCAC and DC area and then uh, parochial A and, and Jersey. I, I would say like those three leagues consistently produce, you know, 
five to 10 division one players every single year and, and like high level guys. And I think that's, you know, that's the part where we talk to you on the show and we talk to high school coaches. It's like you get in there and, you know, you're playing against guys that are really, really good. And you have to kind of figure out a way to like, I guess, end that competitive advantage, Ryan, that like that Roman has or Newman Goretti has. And, you know, Bonner was able to do that. They've been good in the past, but you know, all of a sudden you end up with Isaiah Wong and, you know, things are different, right? Like you got two high major guys and you're, you're able to try to win the league. But I, I know that, you know, Newman had won it like four or five years in a row, then like Wood won it once. And then now Roman's what, won it three years in a row. So it is kind of like breaking through that little ceiling, I think, to, to get uh, to get up there. And I, I think that your academic empowerment speech is pretty good, I would say. When you look at that, it's, and when I took this job, you know, it's like North Carolina, Duke, uh, Michigan State. That's who you just named in Division One. So how do we, how do we differentiate ourselves? And you're looking for those guys with the chip on their shoulder. You're looking for those guys who do want to develop at a young age, and you're looking for guys with potential. So I think, I mean, that's what my game plan is with these guys, and I think we got a good group this year to do that. Let's uh, shift gears for one second. I want to. I don't want to talk about the Eagles because I know it makes Smalls mad, and I know that people check out Bovada for over unders on how many times we talk about Philly sports. I want to talk about your Philadelphia 76ers for a second. I want to. I, I want to ask your opinion right now. I believe they have the third best odds on Bovada to win the Eastern Conference. I want to ask if you think Ben Simmons is actually going to be a superstar. Like I want to. You know, let's dive into your basketball knowledge for a second. You, you watch a ton of Sixers games. You, you know, you're in on them. What, what's your thoughts on Ben Simmons as it feels like he hasn't really gotten a ton better and it also feels like his fit may be slightly awkward with Joel, Joel Embiid? What, what do you think about the Sixers moving forward? I love Ben Simmons, what he can do. So, like, you look at all this stuff he does, his assists, his, his defense, I think, is the most improved. And people, like, don't realize he, he was made Kawhi Leonard work for everything he did last year. So I think if you talk about what he does, it's like Magic Johnson-esque. But what you're looking for for every player, in my opinion, is like development. Like, what has he developed on his offensive game? And I think it's concerning that he doesn't want to shoot jump shots and he hasn't expanded that offensive game a little bit. And you look at like Embiid and Horford and Simmons, it's like you got three dudes who do you feel, do you guys feel comfortable having Horford and Embiid consistently shoot jump shots? Let me ask you that. I mean, I wouldn't, but. You know, I, I think you got to let Embiid just because of his personality and kind of how important he is to the team. I think you got to let him do some weird shit. You know, like <laughs> I, I think that's like a weird way to put it. And Smalls is going to tell me that like I'm just kind of being a dick about it, but I do feel like if you're going to just acquiesce to everything Embiid says, like or does, you kind of got to be okay if he shoots two or three threes a game, even though he shoots about like 25. percent You know, because like, but you're. T- you're talking about now, okay, so you're shooting jump shots. You'll take that. That's not a primary source of offense. You'll say that's a complimentary part of their offense. And people always say to Embiid, so you're looking at Ben Simmons. You're talking about Joel Embiid now. You're saying, Joel Embiid, could you develop a post game, right? Everybody criticizes Embiid. Why can't he develop a post game? Because you always have a point guard you have to hide on offense because he's not willing to shoot the three-point. So I'm saying, okay, Ben, shoot the ball two threes two threes a game because even if you shoot 30 percent that's at least going to people step out maybe a little bit so Embiid doesn't get double teamed consistently and until you're willing to do that you they're just going to sag on him and then in my opinion not only is hurting his own game he's hurt he's hurting Joel Joel and Embiid's game 
Yeah, it was frustrating, I think, in the playoffs last year to watch him just become like a dunker spot guy in, in big moments when like you needed buckets because like Embiid wasn't at his best. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, if Jimmy Butler couldn't score, how did the Sixers score down the stretch? And I think that that's like, you know, from a coach's perspective, you watch that. And, and my kind of thing is like, I think they've done a poor job building their roster, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know that these pieces fit together, even if like you get the best version of every guy, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't, I don't know, Ryan. Like, I don't know. If it, if I was GM, I would have re-signed Jimmy Butler. I would have let I would have re-signed Tobias because I like Tobias as a small ball four. He's not even a small ball four anymore. The way the league's going, just because I thought it opened up the floor for everybody. And now you're talking about the play. I don't care about the regular season record. I could care no, less. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like they, yeah, they need to be able to beat Indiana. They need to be able to beat Boston. They need to be able to beat Toronto. Like they need to be able to beat Milwaukee. It doesn't matter. Other than that, like you know, if they win 45 games and make the playoffs. Great. Like. They win 55, whatever, because home court doesn't really matter to them either. But you got to ask Brett Brown, how are you going to close games with Horford, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Richardson, and Tobias? Like, what's going to be your offense? Are you going Are you going pick and roll with Tobias? Are you going Embiid on the block where you're going to get double teamed every single time and they got to rotate out of it? I mean, you got to, as a coach, you got to ask answer those questions. Like, how are you going to close out games and what actions are you going to run to put these guys in a position of success. And I'm, I'm honestly going to be intrigued to see how he does it. Cause I, I don't know how I would do it if I were him. Are you optimistic or are you more, I mean, the bucks look great again, but they looked really good until the Raptors beat them last year. So. Giannis looks good, man. He's, he's good. He's good. Guy's good. <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. I don't know. I, the Raptors, I don't see them being talented enough to win without Kawhi. Like he was, he he did everything. You know, what I mean, Siakam's good, but I don't trust the the rest of their supporting cast. Um, Pacers are eh, all a depot. We'll see what happens when he comes back. But I think it's Bucks, Sixers. Who is the second best odds if the Sixers have the third? Uh, right now, right now, the uh, Celtics odds are slightly better than the Sixers. Oh, Celtics! I don't love the Celtics either. Yeah, I don't they know. Got good I, it, play, though. I mean, you know how it works on on Bovada. Like they're just trying to make it so all the money's kind of like evenly spread out. But they do have really good guards, and their wings seem to have improved. And like I said, that's the problem with the Sixers. It looks like is like they're just kind of stagnant. Uh, before we let you go, Smalls, I got one question for you. Cowboys minus three in Chicago tonight. Your lock of the week. What do you got? <clears throat> Take the Bears outright. <laughs> Wow. Bears money line. All right. You heard him. You heard him. Bovada, Bears money line. Uh, Ryan, you guys open, what, Saturday? Non-conference game, couple non-conference games until you start your conference schedule, I think, December 17th, right? You start in the Catholic League or December 14th? Yeah, I believe we open. Yeah, we open up with LaSalle College High School. All right. They uh, graduated a bunch of guys last year as well. LaSalle's coached by Mike McKee, right? Former college assistant. As well, yes. Yeah, they University had, of Denver. Denver. Joe yeah. Scott. Joe yeah, they Scott had three guy. guys go. One guy. One guy went to Rice. One guy went to Princeton. One guy went to Ryder from their team last year. Yeah, Ryder. Ryder uh, and Chris Ings, right from Newman. He went to Ryder. Like Ryder, just pillaging the Catholic League. It's a good, good way to make yourself pretty good in the Philly area. But Ryan, we appreciate you hopping on. As always, if you like what you hear, please do subscribe on iTunes, rate us five stars, leave us a review. If you do that. Shoot, shoot me a screenshot of it. I will send you a koozie. We are at Create Your Shot on Twitter, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram. Create Your Shot on Facebook and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Reach out to us with anything you want to hear. I am at CYS Tyler on Twitter. Smalls is at Chris Angelos 88. 
like I said, he won't be grumpy hopefully next week. And uh, Ryan, we appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. We look forward to following you. And uh, guys, everyone who listens, we really appreciate it. And we will be back next week.